Open the laptop to type. I put my name into Skype. Some blog we're going to hype. And now they're on the pod. We're talking football and things happening in wrestling rings. But you just asked which one thinks you're listening to the pod. Don't tell your parents. Vandenberg killed the Barons. Is it time to fire Ferentz? Ask a scout.com at baby. You're listening to a sonic bomb blast of stats and dick jokes. Black Heart Gold Podcast. Totally amateurish. Not even broadcast. Sometimes in Spanish. Black Heart Gold Podcast. You hear the ice cubes in our rocks glass. We don't even edit. Black Heart Gold Podcast. There aren't that many words that rhyme with podcast. Let's start the interview. Black Heart Gold Podcast. Black Heart Gold Podcast, episode 85. As uh, Preview Palooza 2012 continues, uh, Pat Vint joined by Ross WB. Roscoe, what's going on? I am excited to talk SEC football. SEC! This is going to be the speediest podcast ever. We're already done. Uh, boom. We're, in fact, boom. It went by that fast. No, we are joined by our good friend and closet Iowa fan, Clef, from Roll Bama Roll. Uh, Clef joining us uh, live via satellite from like, a long way away. How you doing, bud? I'm doing all right, man. Doing all right. So, uh, obviously, if we're going to start at the top of the conference, we can, might as well just start with your team. Uh the, the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. And, uh, roll Tide. I just like, I, you know, you guys do have funner sayings down there. And I'll say it funner because it is SEC country. Um, like, you know, War Damn Eagle and Roll Tide, that stuff's fun to say. It's more, it's much more fun than Go Hawks or Go Big Red or whatever it is we've got here. Um, so congratulations. You got that going for you. Well, a lot of that stuff is really, really organic. I mean, there's some of that stuff up in the Big Ten. But, I mean, the whole World Tide stuff, I mean, that all came out of the 20s when people would still, I mean, the fight song is like, your name is written Crimson Flame. You know, the Boise State's not going to have that. <laughs> Good point. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, pushing made it so. Boise thinks you're disparaging them for not saying that they could have that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Bama comes back. They're preseason number one, two, or three. We talked to uh, coaches poll number two, mm-hmm. the defending national champion. Um, uh, just Saban at his absolute finest again. They just reloaded every position. It, it, is it really just Alabama and LSU in the West, or, or uh, really Alabama LSU for national championship? Well, I mean, one of the interesting things is and he, about Saban, who always talks about, you know, winning and, you know, beating, dominating your opponents. He makes this little pyramid of uh, teams to beat that during the season you supposedly go up. And I think somebody tweeted it last year and everybody had a conniption over it. But he never puts the national championship at the end of it. And the reason is you don't have any control over it. I mean, you reasonably, if you play your season as well as you can, you can get to the conference championship. But there's so many factors that go into winning the national championship that it's almost impossible to to say that it will or won't happen. I mean, last year Alabama put together one of its greatest teams ever. I mean, the the defense was statistically – you have to go back to to Bryant's 1961 team to 
find one, that, uh, a better defense than Alabama ever put on the field. And you have to go back to 1985 with uh, Oklahoma to find a defense that, that had better, better numbers. But then we all saw how those wonderful boys down in Ames had helped us out. So I won't hear any maligning the Cyclones while I'm on this because – well, then you better not be listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want you to know, I was in Tuscaloosa on November 18th, and that was a very good day to be in Alabama. But uh, So, yeah, I mean, Alabama's got as good a chance as anybody uh, out there. Uh, you know, consistency has been the watchword of, of Saban's teams uh, and depth as well. Um, they had that going for them. Uh, LSU, though, was very, very young last year, brings back a lot of that same talent. And, you know, they look like they're going to be just about the same level. So, yeah, will it turn into the, those two finding it out in the West? I, I pretty much see that. I don't see Arkansas being able to uh, – you know, Arkansas had a lot of promise, but the, you, you turn over that, that – you know, your head coach, <laughs> it's crap shoot. Let me ask you this. How familiar are you with John L. Smith? Uh, Smith because is, that is the end of Arkansas right there. <laughs> well, but the weird thing about Smith is he's actually uh, was kind of the godfather of the Alabama offense. He was um, McElwain's uh, mentor back in the day. And so a lot of the, the, uh, the offense that Alabama has run has been the John L. Smith offense. So I, that's a lot different than him being on the sideline, but, but yeah. yeah. He will slap himself in the face at least three times this season. Oh, there's a lot of over, over. Take the over. Uh, here's the one stumbling block I see for Alabama, and I, I could be wholly wrong about this. They're playing not just the toughest schedule in the SEC, but maybe the toughest schedule the SEC could possibly offer. I mean, they play LSU at LSU. They play Arkansas at Arkansas. Uh, they get A&M at home. They play Michigan to start the season. And by the way – this is something you can learn from from your new SEC brethren in Missouri. If you see a Big Ten team on your schedule that you thought was going to suck when you scheduled them, and then they turn out to be pretty good, you can just cancel the games. Okay. Missouri does that all the time. Um, <laughs> we did play Penn uh, State the last two years, so we're, you did. this isn't our first rodeo. Um, Auburn at home for the the Iron Bowl uh, uh, at Tennessee, who who could be interesting at least, uh, and at Mizzou. That's that's a bit of a gauntlet for, for – there's not a whole lot of uh, sunbelt involved there. No, no, it's not. I mean, there are uh, a couple of the cupcakes that you expect. But uh, they oh, and the other thing on the LSU is we, LSU has the bye uh, prior to the game, too. So, um, and, and one of the other big things about that, that game is uh, last year was the first time in, I think, 80 years since 1933 that, that uh, LSU – did not play an SEC night game uh, at Tiger Stadium, uh, huh. which is huge. And part of the deal <laughs> to get that, to get the Alabama, the CBS to get the Alabama game, they agreed to do the Alabama game as a night game this year. So, yeah, that's, that, that game's going to be insane. McCarron's back at quarterback. I'm assuming Eddie Lacy's going to be the halfback. Yeah, uh, Lacy had turf toe injury last year. Uh, was was kind of iffy for – for stretches, but on the plus side, that that gave uh, the, the the guys behind him a lot more more reps. So there's a lot of talent um, in on, in the backfield, but uh, yeah, we feel pretty strong about that. The problem is, is Ballers. you're Ballers so careful. used to Richardson level that it's like, yeah, just just being awesome is kind of like a step back. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you there. Um, 
Maze and Hank's gone though. Uh, who's gonna and, and that's not only for that matter. Who's gonna be the the the, the targets in the, the passing game or will they just run the ball on every down? No, we're probably we're actually kind of expecting a little bit more uh of the passing game. That's partly from Nussmeyer. Uh he he's already said a couple times in, in practice they've been looking at that. And as you watch the season go on, last year as the coaches had a little bit more um you know, confidence in McCarron. They let him air it out more. I mean, during the match, the championship game, there was actually a uh, – they passed on every first down and often uh, with a lot of success, victimized uh, Matthews. I mean, they, they deliberately – whenever they saw Matthew out there in, in the nickel defense, they were they were deliberately going for him because they knew uh, the Bama receivers could out-jump him. So huh. – it's it, you probably will see a little bit more offense, uh, a little bit more in the air. The the big thing that the that everybody cites for the offense though is the offensive line, which is just insanely good this year. Which yes. will buy more time for for McCarron to make the the good the right decision down the field and will bring the opportunities for the, for the running backs. So we feel pretty confident that that the the offense will. It's going to be good. The, the question marks are the experience level in the defense. Well, the line, four returning starters as upperclassmen who have a combined, like, 97 career starts, plus Williams, who's a relatively heralded center to take the one spot that's open. That's, yeah. Yeah. And averaging about, averaging about 315 across the front. Yeah, you've got Barrett uh, Jones, who is – who's basically played every been an all American at every position on the line, is now gone to center. Um but and then Williams at tight end, uh who is not exactly in the smelly uh range the like we had last year, but is extremely good in blocking. Um and if you watch the, the BCS championship game, he was very often stealing the, the outside, allowing the running game uh to to function. And that's just one more asset to, for folks like Lacey and, and the younger women there. Jones is moving from left tackle to center? Yes. Did I hear, wow. <laughs> That's a, that is the biggest center on the planet. Yeah, he's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to play left tackle? Uh, well, I've got the line. Let me get see. Yeah, uh, Cyrus, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce it. Cujando? Cujando? Yeah. yeah. Now, he had had uh, a knee, knee problem, so... <laughs> You, just, gonna, you can hear gonna, Ross in the background just seething with anger over that because <laughs> he was down to Alabama and Iowa, and he's already starting at Alabama. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. He'd be starting at Iowa, too. Yeah, He would be yeah. the entire line by himself in Iowa. <laughs> he would have started so last he, year at Iowa. Yeah, well, probably not, though. He had the injury issues with his knee. Well, that's so true. We're, we're, we're hoping for help. But uh, to me, that's, that's the problem with having gigantic monster-sized dudes. Their knees no, I... end up held together with bamboo and binder twine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, you said that the, the issue is going to be a little bit of an experience in the defense, but obviously that's Saban's specialty. Uh, is there any real doubt that they're going to be in, in fine form by October? Not really. I, I mean, you end up – the problem you end up running into, and, and this is why Saban's been chewing the ass the media this year. He's he's, he's gone on to, to help stop the whole complacency thing. The, last year's defense was insanely good. I mean, you, you run the numbers and, and you see just just what they did. I mean, you have to go back to like the 60s. 
when people didn't pass to find defenses that are that were, were better. And I mean, this is I mean, it was even clearly better than the '92 defense, which many people thought was uh, Alabama's best ever. But um, so it, basically, anything's going to be a step back. But you're still a step back from that. It's still pretty rarefied air. Um, you've got an extremely talented line. Uh, you've got Jesse Williams is moving over to nose tackle. Is uh, this dude? You know, he bit 600 pounds prior to preseason <laughs> practice. And he says he probably could do more, but they won't let him for safety. <laughs> Are we going to see him on like the world's strongest man in like two years or something? The dude's awesome. I mean, he's from he's from Australia, and and he's oh, outstanding. Like, yeah, he wears he, he's he's like got a mohawk and tattoos on every part of his body, and wears flip flops everywhere, no matter how cold it is. So <laughs> the guy is just. He's a folk hero waiting to happen, but the thing about it is, is he's extremely strong, but really fast. And so, with the three-four defense that that that, that Saban runs, he takes up those two guys in the middle of the line and buying yeah. that extra chance on the outside. Now we've lost um, two extremely good edge-running linebackers with 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 Upshaw and Hightower, but uh, I mean, all the, the 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 younger linebackers we come we have coming in. You know, they're four- and five-star talents, so they give them a couple weeks in the system. By the time we get deep into the SEC schedule, yeah, somebody's going to come out and, and make a statement, I think. Now, uh, obviously you said the, the the big threat it comes from within the West once again, LSU, mm-hmm. who has the, the worst October in about the history of Octobers at Florida, South Carolina, at A&M. Then they get the bye week before they hit Alabama. Um, that's that's a brutal little stretch there for for the Tigers. It, it, are they going to be able to get through? Are they going to be able to get to the Alabama game undefeated, or is something going to pick them up uh, uh, in there? It, it's going to be tough. I mean, it really will depend on on what happens with that offense. The the, the thing that's very strange talking to LSU fans is they they're all optimistic about the offense because they've got a the the quarterback Mettenberger who had been at Georgia was dropped from the team because of legal problems, and then was picked up at, at, at LSU. And so everybody goes, well, we've got a better quarterback than we had last year, which is, right. which seems kind of counterintuitive because most people look at having – last year. <laughs> well, most people look at having a new quarterback as a problem. So right. it, it's, it's a very strange backward logic going on there. Um, but they do have, you. <laughs> and then they lost their best receiver with Ruben Randall going to the NFL. Right. To be fair, though, anyone who watched Jordan Jefferson in the national title game, I think they would consider anything an upgrade on that. So, well, and what's funny is if you watch the 2008 game, uh, the, the announcer was saying the same thing about Jarrett Lee, and that was the game where he threw what three or four pick sixes. Right. <laughs> when are they going to pull him out and let the freshman Jefferson in? And, <laughs> and here we are, and three years later, and it's you know same, the same way, same thing backwards. Um, the talent level is good. Les Miles, I mean, is no. I mean, it's it's his team. I mean, he is the winningest coach in LSU history. He has he has got good. Uh, I mean, Chavez is a great defensive coordinator, and uh, proves it. Uh, all the time. 
he's brings in good talent. He's kept consistency in the program, but he is just one mind fart on the sideline waiting to happen. So <laughs> that's why we love him. <laughs> yeah, I know, well, I know. I mean, it's 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 so LSU, but so if that mind fart happens on the wrong day, yeah, it could it could be a real big problem for LSU. I mean, there's no way that Rob Bolden actually plays for them, right? Bettenberger is going to be the starter, I would assume. And I think that seems to be the assumption when, when, uh, that I'm hearing coming out of the, uh, the, the LSU camp. Um, but Bolden does have the experience. He has been in the fire with LSU, with Alabama and other, other, other teams. He, you know, he's not necessarily going to be your savior, but he may know enough now not to do something really stupid. So if you've got a lead and Mettenberger goes down with a knee injury, you've got a hope of pulling it out. Now, uh, that seems like on, the standard the, of quarterbacking in the SEC to some degree. Don't do something really stupid. Like, just trust the well, defense to do what do what they need to do, and the offense needs to get out of the way to an extent. Yeah, but I mean, AJ McCarron gets a lot of heat for that as a manager quarterback, but he is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the history of Alabama football. But right. if you think Alabama football, who's the quarterback you think of? Uh. Kenny Stabler? Stabler and Amos. And those guys had like 50% passing ratings when they left. Right. So, you know, it's, yeah, well, it, it is what it is. We're not, it's, right. you're not going to see, see uh, a Holgerson type of offense putting uh, right. on, on the field. And, and it's, we don't play that way because we've got stronger defenses. Right. And if you play that, it, and that's what the key of the whole saving thing where we talk about the process is the offense is actually designed to work in tandem with the defense, which, if my my understanding is correctly, that's what Friends does in Iowa. Yeah. Right, Joe. Is it wrong that my my first inclination on that, um, uh, the question of the LSU quarterbacks was Jordan Jefferson? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, no, I think you'd you have to go TJ uh uh, Whitey Tittle for their great quarterback. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell. I mean, I, yeah, Jamarcus. There are plenty to pick from there. Um, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, obviously the defensive line is mostly back. I think they lose what Brockers and everybody else basically comes back, including the wonderfully named Marquevious Mingo. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the big plus. Is, is and the, and the, the honey badger's back, of course. The consistency on that. Yeah, Alabama fans tend to think he's a little bit uh, overrated. Um, but they, I they, think you're probably. And one of the reasons is he's typically been brought in on nickel packages. He is quick and fast on the ball, so it works well with that. But the real strength in that secondary are the corners. The corners there. Simon's back, I assume, and, and I'm trying to think of who else it would. Be taking that spot. Oh, uh, I can't remember. They got, but it's, it's they're young and fast. That's, Morris Claiborne, I guess. Is, oh, he's gone. So yeah, he's he, gone. And that was that was the, and that's what the, the theory has been. Is many of the quarterbacks were trying to avoid Claiborne to put him into situations where Mayhew could take advantage of him on the other side of the field. And clearly, Chavez had designed the, the defense that way. Right. Um, I guess the third the third real threat is probably out east for once this year. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs and Mark Rick has now officially lost control of this podcast. Exactly. Uh, is this this is something that happens about once every five years, and I I know it because it happens to Iowa about once every five years. It's the Georgia boomlet. Um, it doesn't usually pay off, 
this year they've got a relatively easy East, as, at least as easy as it gets in the SEC. The schedule isn't too terrible. Um, they they avoid LSU. Uh, they avoid Alabama. Uh, is there is Georgia the team to beat in, in the East, and, and could they possibly be the team to beat in the SEC in general? Well, the thing about Georgia is, and most of my fellow Alabama fans would, would, would think I'm uh, I'm totally full of it for saying this, I think Georgia's legitimate. Um, when Branson came in there three years ago, he put put in that 3-4 defense and had the usual you know, growing pains that that defense has. But after dropping those early season games last year, uh, that defense got its legs out you know, under it and did extremely well the, the rest of the way. Um, yeah. The offense is not as good as like they had several years ago, but it's enough to function with the type of defense they now have in the field. Georgia's recruited extremely well, and you know, like you had said, they've got an extremely favorable uh, uh, schedule this year. In playing them, I mean, they're, they're going to be they're, they're going to be a difficult team to beat if they they fire on all soldiers and don't get bit with injury bugs. Don't they have a lot of suspensions early, or? Yeah, well, that's that's what Steve Spurrier always makes fun of them for. But um, yeah, I think they've, they've got a couple of, of suspensions, and you know, they lost um, the running back uh, whose name I can't remember um, because Crow- the brain burn. Crowell, um, Crowell. Yeah, and and so you know, they, those are going to have a certain amount of effect that cuts into your depth. But I, overall, I mean, they they've, they've recruited pretty darn well for the East, and and. You know, there's a lot of depth on that team. And uh, the other, I mean, the other big concern, I guess, is they're losing their three most experienced offensive linemen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but again, you're, you're right. The recruiting is there. It appears, at least, that they should have bodies to to fill the gaps. And defensively, they look like they look like gangbusters. I mean, they're huge across the front. Um, which is exactly you're right about the growing pains in the three four. You got to get that that guy in the middle and. John Jenkins at what three hundred and fifty pounds? That's the guy you Good want. Lord. Yeah. Um, I mean, but here's here's the first month: Buffalo, Missouri, FAU, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee. Right. So that you can get by any any uh, restrictions you have as a result of uh, suspensions if you can get past Missouri. They do have to go to Mizzou, which could be more dangerous than, than SEC fans want to admit. Well, I, I actually saw you guys uh, thrash them in the Insight Bowl a couple years ago. Oh yeah. And I got to see them come with Took Gary Pinkle icing, icing uh, Gary Pinkle icing his own kicker uh, against Arizona State here last year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if uh, if Georgia doesn't win the East, who's the who's the the team that's going to knock them off? South Carolina. They've got a really good defense, um, and they haven't really lost a heck of a lot of. I mean, they, they lost. Uh, did they lose Clooney? No, they bring back Dave down Clooney, and he is just like a monster. Garcia. Yeah, and but then again, you know, at any given point, Garcia wasn't in the lineup anyway. Um, so yeah, but the defense has actually been pretty stout with South Carolina, and it should be pretty good this year as well. If that if they don't end up, if they avoid the injury bug, they could actually you know be the dark horse in the East. The, the, more, the question mark would be, you know, what's going to happen here in, in, you know, the Gators with year two of the, yes. the Muschamp experiment, and will they, you know, come out of their their their, you know, somnolescence, or will they continue to sleep the night away? Excellent, excellent work or use of uh, somnolescence there. Thank you. Uh, 
what what is I mean from outside of actual Gatorland, which is all I ever hear about, is, is Gator fans talking about Gators. I mean, from anybody else who, who's watching this team, is this? I mean, obviously, this is two years in a row that are that are drastically under normal expectations for for Florida. Um, is it is it a question of just really really bad offensive coordinators, or is there a, a more fundamental issue here? I, I I can't tell. I mean, you know, there was not a consistency with the recruiting uh, at the very end of there with Meyer. Um, and then looking back now, we, we tend to associate Meyer with uh, with Tim Tebow, and that being the power of his offense. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, the, the, those teams had really, really good defenses, and they have not been up to the par that they were at. Um, one of the one of the deep dark secrets of the 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 the, the, the Tebow national championship was that they were god awful in the red zone, but their defense right. never made it was so good that it never really you know, came back to bite them. So is I mean is Muschamp finally going to get his, get his act together and make that defense function at the level it used to? I don't know. I can't say. They've lost. I guess Brantley's gone. Rainey and Demps are both gone. Yeah, and and, and that's a lot of gone. speed to lose. Yeah, I mean they didn't have a ton of of production in, in any wide receiver position really, but. But Thompson's gone. Uh, they've got you know kind of the, the rest of the spare parts back. Although I don't know if Andre Debose can really be characterized as a spare part. Um, but they I mean they got a lot of holes to fill with a new coordinator on an offense that wasn't very good to begin with. One of the other things about Muschamp that, they, and this is from from a from a fan of a team that got his butt bit by uh, by this is is he's not been a head coach. And yeah, you know. If he, if, you know, I would, I would, would imagine that it's going to take him a little longer to figure out how to get the quality control stuff at the level he wants from having the head job. That might extend this, this difficult period by a year or two. But uh, he didn't do it. I don't think he did anything any favors with bringing in uh, Charlie Weiss, who, you know, was his, you know, had already been a head coach and you know has some right. attitude issues to begin with. Charlie Weiss had attitude issues, really? Yeah, that was the rumor going around. <laughs> I just love that he's got a backup halfback named Mac Brown. Like, he really can't get away from Mac Brown, <laughs> Brown, even after all that time at Texas. He has to have Mac Brown of Texas still around. But the thing um, with Mac Brown is, if you look back at him, that was his advantage coming to Texas, is he was like saving the CEO coach. And what he did was he put good people in place and let them run their, do, do their jobs. It, it finally bit him the last couple of years when the people that were supposed to be doing their jobs actually weren't. But then what do you do? Brought in good, good young talent. I expect to see Texas defense do a lot better this year. We talked a little bit about Arkansas, and and I'll, I'll bring up another team while I'm at it. War Dam Eagle, uh, Auburn, obviously just maybe a step behind in the in the West. But uh, you know what's the what's the book on on those two teams heading into this season? My my biggest question is uh, is Gene Chizik finally conceding that that the Cam Newton thing was just the biggest fluke of all time? I don't know if it was necessarily the biggest fluke of all time. Um, and one of the reasons, I mean, he was a one-of-a-kind talent, but you could have a one-of-a-kind talent, but if you don't put him in the right scheme, he's not going to do anything. And Gus sure. on, put him in the perfect Did it. Yeah. yeah. And he did. Yeah. deserves a heck of a lot of credit for it. I mean, you know, Alabama didn't give him that, that Iron Bowl in 2010, which I was at, and I don't like thinking about, so thank you very much. <laughs> um, You're welcome. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> 
The uh, the fact is, though, I mean, Alabama has been recruiting extremely well nationally and has, has you know, been at the top of the charts. But the fact of the matter is Auburn may be behind, underneath that, but they have been recruiting very well also. And they have also been doing very well at targeting specific types of players that fit their system that Alabama may not be picking up. And what they've produced is a team that, you know, every so often just does some really great stuff. They're going to be tough to fight, and they're going to, you know, they last year they 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 ended up, you know, pulling some games out that they didn't necessarily have any business winning, but they didn't lose any games they really shouldn't have lost. And you know, if they can keep doing that, they'll still do well and they'll continue being a threat late in the season. Are they replacing their entire coaching staff minus Chizik though, or? Yeah, they brought in they, they brought in Brian Van Gorder from the Falcons, and then Scott Waffler, who I can't remember where he was at. But you know, I think he was the lead singer of uh, Tony Tony Tony. <laughs> yeah, either that or one of the foreigner guy, you know, the guitar. Yeah, singer. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so they they open with Clemson. That's a dangerous little game. Yeah, uh, it is. And and if you'll remember, Clemson was the one last year that finally beat their uh, what, super winning streak from the year before. So yeah. That's always fun. And Debo's an Alabama guy, so you know he always brings a little something special to the mix. I, I like that. I like when a team does that. It's what Dan McCarney did for years <laughs> to Iowa. Is there a chance uh, that, I mean, Chizik just gets exposed without Malzahn there to, you know, whip something up on offense or – is that I don't see how you can get more exposed than you did last year. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's you know, he, last year they didn't have Cam and they struggled. And this year they don't have Malls on and they've got a, you know, big question mark at quarterback going into the season. I think, you know, that, that actually weirdly enough plays in his advantage because people don't have as high of an expectation this year. Let's talk about the, uh, your, your new conference, uh, uh, brethren. The Texas A&M Bulldogs and the Texas A&M guys. Bulldogs. Yeah, the, the now we're now we're now calling them the Bulldogs after those hats that they just took Mississippi State hats and put A&M on the front of them. Um, uh, how how do you see? I mean, obviously A&M was still coming from a, a kind of a Neanderthal run first system, although they had a, a few wrinkles to it when Mike Sherman was there. But Mizzou was total Big 12, five wide, chuck it deep. How do yeah. you see them fitting in, in, into the conference in their first season? I Well, I mean, ideologically, they, they fit pretty well. I mean, I was pushing for going for, instead of Missouri, get Maryland, because then we'll have all of Bear Bryant's former teams. But um, <laughs> nobody would buy that. And um, But, uh, you know, yeah, A&M, the weird thing about A&M is they had switched to the 3-4 uh, under Sherman and had gone through that, and now are switching back going into uh, the SEC. So it's very interesting trying to figure out what's going to exactly happen because they're actually changing their entire defense as they're coming into what's perceived as a defense-heavy conference. Um, and you know That should go well. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it's, it's, you know. That's the wrong time to have hiccups on your defense. But, yeah. The, uh, on the other hand, um, you know, the Sumlin is, is uh, you know, was supposed to, you know, was, you know, the the offensive hot shot. So you would expect that to change as well. So it's kind of like looking at Auburn is you don't know what you're going to get because there's so much coaching change that you're not really sure of what's going to be on the field until you see it. 
Now, you don't have that same situation with Missouri. You do have, a, you know, kind of a, a, you know, track record with what they've done in the past. But then the question is, how well does that Big 12 style of play fit the SEC? I think it'll fit relatively well. I mean, and having seen the Missouri game against y'all, uh, you know, I, I do expect that to be kind of, you know, par for the course of what we're going to see. They, they're going to go the, go the distance, and, you know, as long as they don't, don't do anything stupid, they won't embarrass themselves. Of course, then Pinkle does something stupid and embarrass himself. So. <laughs> right. You mean and the like, game I'm waiting for, though, is, is like the whole Big Ten um, SEC is actually uh, Northwestern against Vanderbilt. Yes, the Nerd Bowl. The Nerd <laughs> Bowl. Awesome. But I actually am really interested in that because I think that's going to be a pretty good litmus test of the the strength of the conferences against each other because everybody kind of agrees that Alabama and LSU and uh, are, are you know kind of the at this elite level above all others. But then the knock on the SEC is that we're dragging everybody up that's below us because – Let's be honest, Kentucky and Ole Miss are god awful. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> it, it's, it, it, You're it, disparaging my favorite SEC team, which the Ole Miss Rebels. Well, you know, I, I, my sister went to Ole Miss, and and when I did my podcast with the Red Cup Rebellion, their response was, "I bet she's hot." Um, so, uh, so I, you know, I have a warm spot in my heart for those guys, but oh my God, their football team is so god awful. But the fact of the matter is, is when we look at Northwestern, is maybe you know middle of the Big Ten, slightly less, and Vanderbilt is the up and coming, you know, the 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 low end of the conference. It seems to be whose stock is rising. It'll be interesting to see what 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 those two do to each other. I'm, I'm there's going to be so much. Be, so much enthusiasm on those sidelines with Franklin and Fitzgerald. It's I don't know. Oh yeah, and I don't know. It's at Ryan Field. I don't. I don't know if they can. Evanston can contain that much enthusiasm. Frankly, I think you just need a bigger pit in the ground and throw those two guys in there with you know a beer bottle and maybe a brick or two. Just let them go, man. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna make a prediction. That game is going to break the all-time NCAA record for number of D.H. Lawrence novels in attendance. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's okay. I can live with D.H. Lawrence, man. It's like when the coeds start breaking out the bell jars when you, like, run for cover. <laughs> i got to ask you about one more team before we get to the kind of big-picture stuff, because I think they're fascinating. Tennessee. I don't know I, what the hell to think about Tennessee. No one knows what the hell to think about Tennessee. I mean, and, it and, could I, I actually, uh, and I went back and looked at it because I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not as down on Dewey as many others because he, he was a, he was a solid strategist even at, at, though he never had the win total to show for it. And he hasn't done anything extremely dumb, which is kind of a plus for a Tennessee coach over the last couple of decades. But, you know, they are changing to a completely new defense. They're going to the 3-4 with Sonseri that was, uh, you know, former linebacker coach at Alabama who knows his stuff and is, you know, implementing, uh, you know, putting the system in. But then we saw Georgia, you know, having the same problem. It took them two years to finally get it down and make it work. you got Tyler Bray, who has a lot of talent, but, you know, is, is kind of looks like he's going the Stephen Garcia route, so you don't know how much consistency you're going to have. They look like they're ready to take a step forward if they can just get over this injury bug that's just waylaid them at the end of last year. 
so you got good things to look at for next year. You got negative things, and then you just don't know what the hell's going to happen. You know, the one thing they've got going for them, their schedule isn't terrible, and it seems that they kind of. I mean, the only time they have real tough back-to-back games is Alabama followed by outside, outside, excuse me, at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's not that. What you worry about with a team like that is that you lose three in a row and the wheels come off. <laughs> and, yeah, like and I don't. I, last year, right, right, and I, I just, I don't see a spot where that might happen here. They've got, a, they've got a, kind of lucky in, in at least getting a schedule that kind of breaks up the, the real difficult games that you don't have the, the, the cascade of defeat. Um, but I'm with you. I have no clue what to think of that team. They're, they're, uh, they've got a lot of guys returning, but they weren't guys that were that productive last year. And, uh, and as you said, the injury bug from last season really bit them hard. Yeah, Phil the NC State game should be a good, a good one to start with, though. I mean, NC State's a you know a decent team, and so you, we should get a sense of what the heck we're in for, for pretty much from the start. But yeah, before that, before the kickoff of that game, <laughs> yeah, where are they where are they playing that game? That's going to be that's in Atlanta. I think that's the the Chick Fil A We Hate Homosexuals Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't have picked two better schools for that. Yeah. Uh, so as a as a Big Ten fan, if I'm going to tune in to watch any SEC game, and and I'm, I'm looking for entertainment above you know uh, uh, pure talent, obviously sometimes you get the struggle of watching Alabama LSU you know kick field goals at each other. Um, wh- what two players should I be watching for uh, for for pure entertainment purposes? Two players or two teams or what? Yeah, players. Ugh. Individuals. That's 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 tough to say. I mean, you know, uh, Jadavon Clowney for South Carolina. I mean, he's just. But you know, I'm going to give you defense because I just love defense. Right. But but <laughs> Clowney is just like you know, yeah, I know, man. Uh, and Jess, Jesse Williams, he's like if you love defense, just watching him throw you know centers aside like rag dolls is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's. Scary, scary. If you if you watch some of the games that he plays in, and you see how close he gets to hitting the the, the quarterback, and he's the nose guard, you're, you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like fun. I might watch that a little. And and it's definitely worth taking a little time for. Um, he didn't play nose guard uh, except in special occasions last year. Um, so he didn't do that a lot, but he still though it's just like he's just an amazing player to watch. Um, you know, offensively, yeah, I hate them all. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> uh, I just like to see him humiliated. You gotta watch our, our now our freshman running back PJ PJ uh, Yeldon. Uh, he's yeah. the one everybody's saying is our next Trent Richardson. So he might be one to watch. That might be fun. Is he already like bench pressing tractor tires? No, but he he definitely he came out he he enrolled early and was in the spring game and was just like, oh my god! <laughs> it was like it was like when Rich when Richardson uh, Trent did his first spring game. It was just like and a mighty gasp went up from the crimson you know clad you know believers. <laughs> Gun to your head prediction: Who wins each division and who wins the championship game? No, I hate. I don't know. I mean, and, and, and I just put a gun to your head to make you do it. 
Well, I think your assessment's correct, and this is the Phil. This is what Phil Steele pretty much did when he put Florida State in the, uh, you know, the national championship game. Is it's like who ends up, you know, getting hurt the least? You know, so if we have another another season like last year, I mean, Alabama, you know, with just you know three points in overtime from you know, you know, one of the most dominating seasons ever, but that was three points in overtime they didn't have. So you know. It, there's so many tough games that it's really hard to say, which, you know, if Arkansas just keeps its nose clean and doesn't do anything stupid, they might sneak in because LSU and Alabama end up, you know, wailing on each other and everybody else they have to face. So it becomes a crapshoot. Obviously, I'm, I'm high on Alabama in the sense that, that I do see the talent level. I do think the team is, is certainly as legitimate as it was in 2009 going into that, that season and, you know, we now look back like it was inevitable. Well, let me tell you, that, that season was not inevitable. You just go back and watch the South Carolina game. All right. We like Dawson. Dawson's that's, big in the SEC, man. That's right, yeah. We're good at that. <laughs> the second one is, uh, and in the East, it's just, it, it, it's seen as weaker, but yeah, Georgia doesn't seem to have the same type of, uh, you know, test against them, but everybody's gun shy on counting on them after the last couple of years. South Carolina, has a good defense and a good chance of going the whole way. And Florida might just surprise everybody and mutate back into some great team that they, you know, have the, the possibility of being. Right now, I'd say Alabama and Georgia. But, you know, it's, that's, that's, it's on a nice edge once the, the season starts. Right. Uh, one final question before we, before we let you go. Uh, Hayden Fry, great coach or the greatest coach? Well, he would be great, but you can't say greatest if you have Bear Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> I am a big defender of Fry, though. Uh, sure, particularly... and I, we greatly appreciated that. That was that was excellent during uh, Hall of Fame week. I, I have been working on a project looking at the integration of Alabama football and have been doing a lot of studying into the overall uh, what different programs went through across college football. And what Fry did at SMU is, is unbelievably – Amazing, uh, given the amount of pressure at the time. And most people don't think of Dallas as the South because, of, you know, we see the things that happened. This is the 50th anniversary of the riots at uh, Ole Miss. Next year will be the 50th anniversary of the Sand Schoolhouse door. But because of the Cotton Bowl, Dallas was very much a kind of an epicenter of many of the problems uh, of segregation. And so I walked into that and said, I'm going to deal with it. And he did. So, yeah, he's a heck of a guy. Yeah, not Bear Bryant, but. No, but then nobody is. That's right. Well, uh, as if you didn't already know, you can catch Clef and, and all of his uh, comrades over at Roll Bama Roll uh, just, just gloating over beating your team by 40 points. Uh, we'll settle by three. Yeah. <laughs> Puff, thanks again for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Y'all keep the faith. Thanks. Okay.